I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Polly and Kyle, we're back for another podcast about fantasy golf and uh, this week's Waste Management Open. How are you guys doing? Hey guys, what's up? Not too much. How about you? I'm uh, reveling in the fact that caddies might be overrated. Jason Day (laughs) capturing the W. Unfortunately, his withdrawal from the Tuesday pro or Wednesday pro am threw me for a loop and made me change my pick. Very very sad weekend watching him yeah. win. Hindsight's a little bit twenty twenty right there, right? Hey, our listeners know I picked him. I don't blame you though. There was literally probably a seventy percent chance he was not going to finish uh, two rounds, and obviously the other thirty percent was that he does and he wins and he played great. I mean he. Three incredible rounds. Yeah, I mean, that, think about it. After the first day, you weren't that mad though, Andy, right? I mean, he was a couple over par, right? I think, and you're thinking, oh, I might even miss the cut, and then all of a sudden, puts together a heck of a round on the North Course on Friday, and all of a sudden, back in contention. Yeah, I, I'm, I just have been. I think the last time I picked Jason Day, he withdrew mid-tournament, so I've just been, you know, foiled by Jason Day and his his injuries, his fluky injuries. For two years, every time he shoots seventy three to open up at the Farmers, we need to hammer him to win because that he did that a couple years ago too. Well, I think it's another the fourth or fifth year in a row you've had somebody that shot even or or worse in the first round win the event. It's uh, it's not good to have the fifty four hole lead for sure. What'd you guys think of Tiger? I I was really impressed. Go ahead, Paul. I think it was a little surprising the fact that. Going into it, we expected his short game to kind of be the problem, when in reality, his short game was pretty good. Now, it might have been because the rough was, was long, and he was able to kind of get up and down from that, kind of like we talked in the pod last week. But surprising me was that he was actually more inaccurate off the tee than I, I thought he was going to be. Yeah, I thought Thursday he drove it really, really well. and he, I mean, he was pummeling his tee shots. You know, it's hard to tell. I, I didn't always know what Hoffman and Reed were hitting off the tee, but, I mean, Tiger was the last to play almost every time that first day. And I mean, piping his tee shots. And then obviously the driver got away from him the, the next three days. But uh, the short game, I'm not a hundred percent sold on yet. Cause I, he did miss the green three or four times. Um, but he did, I mean, granted he got up and down all day long. I mean, his scrambling was terrific. So I think it's exciting. I think that he's, you know, basically, at, at the very least, an average tour pro. And can an average tour pro win a major in, in a given year? Sure. So, I mean, I think it's exciting. I, I can't wait to see, and I hope he gets in contention um, in the near future. I like that Justin Ray stat that I put in the newsletter this morning that had uh, his strokes gained for the week. It was He was essentially what Brooks Kepka was all of last year. Um, so if he plays like, if he plays like that, he's going to win some tournaments probably. Right. 
Yeah, the only misleading thing a little bit from this past week is that they didn't have strokes gain stats in the north course, so it is only from the three rounds of the south course. So that's just something to keep in mind as we kind of go through the fantasy for this week as well. So going into fantasy, runner-up Alex Noren, who has no course history here, much like the um, Farmers, is in the field again. But, you know, a bunch of other big names. Alex Noren, are you, uh, you riding the hot hand this week? I don't know if this course suits him as suits him that well. The one interesting fact about last week is, even though he was in the playoff, he actually lost strokes gained putting last week at Torrey. So that, that's how good he hit the ball in the wind last week. So the, the only question is, this week heading to you know the Phoenix Open, it's typically won by guys that are making a lot of mid-range birdie putts because it, you know the winner's going to have twenty about twenty birdies for the week probably. But I mean, given Hideki's success at in phoenix and he's not known for his putting prowess wouldn't that you know the great ball strikers really kind of come to the top uh, rise to the top here potentially but i mean you're looking kind of like an individual basis there hideki's actually i think you know putted pretty decent there in, in the past i think his last his last three years he's actually gained strokes putting at phoenix so that's kind of the, the reason that he's not the reason he's won but he just had he had an elite approach game. He gained I think 14 shots approach the last two years there. And I think he's gained I think 28 shots his last four years there uh, on approach when he finished you know top four every year. So that's just kind of you know insane approach game where I don't know if, if Norn is to that level. So are the stats you're looking at this week uh, approach and putting for the most part or I. For Phoenix Open, I usually don't actually look at that many stats. I, I kind of look based upon it's more of a field tournament for me in terms of how I think guys' games apply to this golf course and kind of looking at course history a little bit because it's still early in the year, so it's really tough to track you know, what their current stats are, especially when you had strokes gain stats at the career builder a couple of weeks ago. We only had it for, for, for the one course. Last week, we only had it for three out of four rounds, so there, there's a little bit of, you know, not being entirely sure on some of the data. So uh, Hideki coming in hasn't finished outside the top four. You know, is is he? Obviously, he's going to be a chalky pick, two-time defending champion. Is, are you riding him, or are you looking to go contrarian this week? Uh, it's going to be pretty hard for me to fade him this week, just because he's gone. He's had two wins, I think, a second and a fourth here, and. Each of those four years, he's had at least 19 birdies and, is, and hasn't shot over par on this golf course. So between that upside and consistency and the fact that we saw a little bit of flashes of the old Hideki this past week at Torrey on a course that he traditionally struggles at, I'm probably going to be using Hideki, although we do have a lot of other good options at the top. Fowler being one of them? Fowler, Fowler is really good course history here, yeah. And, and I think he may go... Uh, a touch under-owned, even though his price is pretty low this week, just because he missed the cut last week. People kind of, you know, get burned by him and may not put him in their lineup. They may, you know, choose somebody else. So I, th- I think he's definitely a failed option this week. Yeah, it is Fowler's first missed cut since uh, last June. And I, I was looking, I was writing the newsletter this morning on the plane that I was on. He's uh, He's racked up nine top 10 finishes in his last 14 starts. It's not, not too shabby with a only missed cut coming last week. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like if you're looking on a DraftKings side, you know, he's $1,100 less than Matsuyama and $1,000 less than Speed. So that's a, that's a lot of uh, salary savings in the DraftKings side. Mm-hmm. 
So you got you got five of the top seven players in the world um, outside of Matsuyama, um, Fowler. You got Spieth, Rom, Justin Thomas also um, in the field. And then I mean, there's it's a really really good field. Um, who else do you like, kind of of the bigger names in this uh, event? Of uh, the bigger names, I would probably if I had to pick like a third person besides Decky and Fowler, I would probably go Rom. And I think the reason behind that is people kind of saw that he really struggled this past weekend, and that may kind of push him off a little bit. But he's going back to Arizona where he went to school, very familiar with desert golf. And the fact that the reason, you know, he kind of played bad last week was actually on the greens in the approach game. He actually led the field in strokes gained off the tee last week. I mean, albeit it was only for the three rounds of the south course, but still it's pretty amazing considering he finished, I don't know, what, 30th or something like that for you. Yeah, I saw he lost like six shots on the greens the last two rounds, which yeah, and I think he lost something similar to that actually uh, uh, approaching the green, which is which is where he's usually you know his best part of his game is usually his you know short mid irons. So mm-hmm. I think then there's a pretty next clear tier where you've got you've got Leishman, Berger, Norin, Finau, Simpson, who has great course history, J.B. Holmes, who. Uh, might get booed in it when he gets into 16. Uh, <laughs> Gary Woodland, Phil, and uh, Kucher. Who, who do you like from here? Uh, I would probably go Webb in this group. So Webb's been, you know, kind of figured out his putter back in the fall season and the beginning of this year. And, you know, I think he lost in a playoff here last year to Hideki. So I'd be looking for him to continue that success this week most likely. How about Woodland? Woodland played well last week. I know he got off to a rough start um, yesterday, but... He seems. This seems to be a course that would fit him well. Yeah, possibly. I mean, for some reason, he, he likes playing at Tory a lot, just based upon the, the way the tee shot set up. So when he was playing at Tory, all the holes that are dog leg left to right a little bit are holes you have to driver, and the holes that are kind of right to left you had to lay up on. So that really suits his game. Whereas here, he hasn't had that much success. He he only has one top ten finish in in eight starts, and has missed two of his last three cuts here. So that's crazy. I wouldn't necessarily pick him as the best option this week. It's uh, Austin Cook getting a big, big salary at eighty three hundred, highest rookie on the board. Uh, obviously, he's played really well, but ahead of you know Ryan Moore, um, some other guys like Chapel, Patton Kazire. Um, where, what do you think about these guys in this area? Yeah, so I I, I like Austin Cook this week. One of my you know, comp players that I do for, for rookies, I try to compare who are they really like on the PGA Tour and try to look at what courses that, that PGA Tour player has played well in the past. So Austin Cook reminds me a little bit of Webb Simpson in terms of very accurate off the tee and, and you know, very, very solid with the iron game from, you know, 100 to 175. And if they can get catch a hot putter, that's when they're, they're you know, getting top five finishes. Otherwise, they're just a top 30 machine. So I, I really like Austin Cook this week. I'd rather play him than, than J.B. Holmes. Cause I, have a, uh, I think he's going to be way over on this week. Yeah, he's got good course history here, right, J.B.? Yeah, he's, he's won here twice, a couple other high finishes. The only issue I have is that he usually does it based on ball striking. And if we look at last week at Torrey, he gained 10.5 shots on the greens putting last week at Torrey in those three rounds of the south course. And he was... Only he was less than a shot above the, above uh, field average in all the parts of the game combined. 
So it, if he's not hitting the ball that great, that may not work out well at uh, Phoenix Open. It, it was weird. I, I looked up driving distance stats, and J.B. Holmes was like, he was like 47th in driving distance. I don't know what was going on. Was he not hitting driver a lot last week? No, I, I think the driving distance stats are only based, I think, two or, on two or three tee balls, if I'm if I'm correct. So there might have been one where if he hits in the rough, he's not getting the 20, 30 yards a roll. Yeah, that's true. So a small sample size, you get some weird results sometimes. So uh, kind of getting down more into like where we're looking at sleepers in, you know, 70, 700 and below, what are uh, what are some guys that you've got? Got marked. Our, our boy JJ Spawn had another, I think, top ten this week, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm liking JJ Spawn. I, he played here last year, had a, I think a top five finish, and I think it was second in the field in in, uh, in birdies or better, which is obviously great for DraftKings. Uh, and the other guy I like in this area is Ali Schneiderjans, who burned a lot of people, including myself, in some lineups last week. But he he has the upside to where he's a guy that can go out and make eight, nine, ten birdies in a round, and you really wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, yeah, both those guys seem to play well generally on the West Coast as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. And especially, I think it's going to be a little bit of a shootout this week, you know, the winning score, you know, between 15 to 20 under. And we've had t- 10 of the last 11 years here that it's been determined either in a playoff or by one shot. So wouldn't be surprised if you get another long playoff, which mm-hmm. is kind of the trend we've been having all year. Yeah, seriously, it would be uh, be a third straight year of cutting into the Super Bowl if it uh, if it happens. Uh, well, unless JB's in contention, in that case, it may go to Monday. <laughs> <laughs> he is uh, he is definitely going to um, he's going to have to live with that for a long time now. Um, well, he's well, he's getting his four four minutes and ten seconds of fame from it. So yeah. Um, so then we get down into kind of more of the the low price guys and uh, who who are the who are the guys that are worth taking flyers on? What about uh, my boy Michael Kim? Uh, I'm still not a fan of Michael Kim, even even after his performance last week. I mean, I get it because he was a local player there and you know familiar with the course and he had, had a pretty good finish, but I, I don't think it's going to translate over here to uh, to to, uh, to Phoenix here. Uh, but uh, uh, one guy that I kind of mentioned a little bit last week in the pod was kind of talking about Retief Houston a little bit. So interesting enough, he actually led the field in strokes gained approach last week. The goose, <laughs> the goose is alive. What so about I, what I, about I the goose and Ted Potter? Here. What about the goose and Ted Potter bringing it in the first round? <laughs> and that, that's what we get for calling them out on here. They obviously obviously had to hear that and give them a little bit of inspiration. So, <laughs> so, so you like goose this week? I'm not saying I love him, but I think he's he's definitely an option because I think no one's going to play him. He's going to be a guy that's going to be one or two percent owned at 7,300 because guys are going to take you know Bud Cauley or Molinari or Brio or Luke List. They're going to take those guys over Houston. So if you want a guy that's going to be one percent owned for a tournament, he's not a bad option. You know, I I didn't see I didn't see his name, which is probably a bad bad sign, but. What what happened to Andrew Landry last week? Yeah, he missed the cut by I think four or five shots. So, <laughs> I got a good thing I didn't make any bets. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, down here, I mean, Kokrak, uh, he he hits, he mashes the ball. Seems like this could be a place he could play well. 
Possibly. The only thing is, I don't know if it's necessarily a, a bomber's golf course, and he hasn't had that much success here. I mean, obviously we had guys like JB and Bubba play well in the past, but Kokrak's missed four of his last six cuts of this course. So mm-hmm. I understand he's been playing well, you know, better of late, but I still hesitant on playing a guy in that range. I think there's a lot better options that have had, you know, better success at this course in the past. Mm-hmm. Kind of maybe like a, maybe like a Kevin Now or even like a Martin Laird. Yeah. What it's... about Lahiri? Uh, I'd probably be more likely to go to a guy that maybe is like Peter Uline, who's getting, you know, getting away from Poana greens and back on Bermuda greens. And, you know, he's, he's a guy who's, you know, I think he's top 70 in the world or something like that. And, you know, he's down at 6,800, which is pretty cheap in my opinion. Yeah. You get down into this 6,800 range and I mean, you got, um, I mean, 7,000, you got Grayson Murray and Bryson DeChambeau. Grayson went to uh, ASU for a short stint, and you know he's played pretty decent. Is is he a guy you got your eye on? Uh, he he does make a lot of birdies. The only thing I'm afraid of on this course is that it's really easy to make a large number, and Grayson is definitely known for that. We've seen a lot of guys hit in the desert here and make double or triples, or pipe one OB, or pipe one in the water on the on, on some of the par fives. So I'd probably steer away from from Grayson. Just because I think guys are going to kind of click his name based upon you know they've seen him a little bit on TV over over the past couple months. I'm I'm excited to see Grayson uh, in the 16th to hear what 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 people uh, are saying. See see how he reacts. Yeah, they could definitely make some interesting pairings going into the going into the 16th hole if they wanted to you know put some put some of the guys together and make it interesting for some fans. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so down here, anybody else that catches your eye at, at the very bottom? I mean, you got Chesson Hadley, who continues to be under, he was underpriced last week, underpriced this week. He has one of the highest birdie rates out there and, you know, solid tee to, tee to green game and, you know, almost one in the fall and it had a couple other high finishes and he's only 6,900. So I, I think I'd probably be using him in some tournaments uh, based upon those facts. Mm-hmm. Not, not a J.J. Henry fan, huh? Not a JJ Henry. I'd rather go with uh, a guy like Will McGirt, who who has had you know pretty decent course history here. I think he's had you know five straight top thirty-five finishes here, I believe. Mm-hmm. So he's he's a guy that may go a little bit under the radar because people don't you know don't picture him as a guy with a lot of high finishes at, at this track because they never were top tens, but they're guys that make the cut for you and finish good enough to kind of help your lineup. Wyndham Clark could be an interesting play. He uh, he played really well on the web. Uh... The week before, uh, he was in. I think he was the lead, fifty-four hole leader before he finished. Uh, finished in the top ten though. Um, but he he'd be an interesting guy. He makes a ton of birdies. Hits it long. Great putter, too. Yeah, and that, and that's one of the things down in this price range. You're you're looking to hit a guy that can get you a top fifteen, top twenty finish, and hope he's maybe one or two percent owned, and hope some of the chalkier plays that guys choose, you know, miss the cut, and that's how you kind of jump up the standings. So. Um, in terms of uh, one and done, if you, if you're not going with Hideki, who's who are some guys that you should look at? If you if you say like say like me, I, I've I've got three made cuts but three low finishes, and uh, I know everybody's picking Hideki this week, so it could be a good opportunity for me to to go contrarian and uh, pick up some points if Hideki doesn't win his third straight. Yeah, I think you have a few options. The, the one kind of obvious option would be to go John Rahm this week because if you look on, on the theory-wise, I mean, a lot of guys used in the last two weeks. 
So maybe only half of your league has him left. And they're probably going to be saving him for a major, maybe a WGC. And they realized he kind of faded this past week. So you may be, he may only be picked by a couple people in your league because everyone's going to be at Matsuyama. But you're picking a guy who has high upside to win. So it's a way to maybe jump up the standings if, if Hideki falters and Rom wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you maybe want to go a little bit lower, this week. Uh, That's who I think I'm going to take Webb. I kind of want to use Hideki in a major this year. I think he's going to potentially win one. He, he could definitely be a good fit, possibly for Congressional or, or even maybe at Carnoustie for the British. I don't know if they're playing Congressional. They aren't playing Congressional. Oh, no, no, not yeah, Bellary. Oh, sorry, uh, Shinnecock. Sorry. Shin- Shinnecock. No, no, that's okay. I'll just edit it out. Yeah. Um, all right, so Kyle, you're taking Webb? I'm going Webb. Polly? Uh, I'm probably going to eat the chalk with Matsuyama this week. I, um, man, I'm just still so bummed about not getting my J Day win. This <laughs> was the pick of the. Pick of the year for me. I'm. Uh, I'll probably go with uh, Rom. Maybe Daniel Berger, just out of left field. I mean, it is back on Bermuda Green, so that does suit Berger. Yeah, that that could be the guy I go with. I'm going between one of those guys. I'm. Uh, I won't decide until the minute of, and then I might decide. I might pick somebody else. So yeah, just let me know who you pick, so then I can you know place a bet, so that I know they're gonna win probably. So yeah, <laughs> who I don't pick. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Who do you guys have in the football game? Yeah, that's more important question. Uh, I I got Patriots winning somewhere between three to seven points. I'm thinking. That sounds about right. I think I think Belichick's gonna have a good game plan. Him and Patricia for Foles. I'm gonna go Patriots by tenish. I just. Yeah, I, mean, I think Foles had like the performance of a lifetime in the. In the championship game, it's gonna be, and it, you know what it is about the Patriots is that like that Philly's D's been really good this year, but like they just wear on teams. And by yeah, like the third, these annoying bubble screens yeah. and wheel routes, and you just yeah. all they do is break one or two a game, and that's yeah. that's the game. And it's just yeah, like yeah. mismatch. And when you're looking, at, and when you're looking at the Super Bowl, you usually have you know head coaches and quarterbacks. Those are the guys you look for, and I'd rather have Bill Belichick and Tom Brady versus not Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Yeah, correct. So I guess uh, I'm, I'm. So basically, everyone should bet the Eagles. <laughs> A lot of people are actually surprisingly. Is uh is uh is Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? Did you see the speaking of the greatest quarterback of all time? Did you guys see that video of Mickelson throwing the football today? No. I but forgot where I saw it on Twitter. I'm sure you could search it on Twitter, but I mean, he's throwing like it looks like 40 yard perfect spirals. I was like, oh my god, Phil, uh, right-handed too. He's it's right-handed. like it's like what Brandel said. You know, I know. Take him to the fair, win all the big toys. Yeah, he can he can throw balls either any way you want it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll be back next week, and um, I guess go uh, whoever you're rooting for. See you guys. You've been listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We do the digging for you.